Jesus told stories to teach, to relate truths to people's lives, to help us understand God, to help us have a better life. Oftentimes, he started his storytelling by saying, It's like a farmer who went out to plant some seed. It's like a man who had two sons. It's like a king who called his servant in to settle the debt he owed. It's like a man who was attacked by robbers on his way to Jericho. It's like a rich man who had an abundant harvest. It's like a man of noble birth who gave his servants some money to invest. It's like... It's like... It's like... Well, my nephews are spending the summer, or a good part of their summer, with us uh, this summer. And one of them the other day, the oldest, said to me, Uncle, are you going to tell a kick-the-can story? Um, it was, you know, some of you have probably played kick-the-can. It's like capture the flag. And what I would do is when the cousins came into town, all of the cousins would come over and we'd do sleepovers. And Uncle would sit there and tell a story about kick-the-can. And what I would do is ask each one of them to tell me who they wanted in the story. And then I picked the place where it took place, and usually I picked some place that we all shared together either on that trip or in previous trips when they came. And I would just tell the story about where everybody was hiding, and they just sat there riveted, wondering who was going to kick the can, were they going to kick the can, were people going to be free? And they just sit there waiting for that twist in the story, and they could relate to the people, and so much so that even senior... The age ranges are from like seventh grade now to college, and they still ask uncle to share the story. Are you going to do a kick the can story? There's something about stories that really capture them, grabs a hold of them and brings them in and say, I I want you to tell that story again. Jesus used stories. He's the master storyteller. He came into the Jewish culture as a rabbi. And rabbis told stories and anecdotes and metaphors to teach. And so Jesus did that. He used powerful stories. And we're going to look at one of his stories today. So if you do not have a Bible, I want to get one in your hand. So ushers, if you'd come down, just signal to them. They will give you a Bible if you don't have one. Um, We'd love for you to have one. Take it home. If you got one there, give it to somebody else that doesn't have one. But Jesus kept with this tradition of connecting with the world around him through stories. And he often began his stories with two words, it's like. And that's why we named the series, It's Like. And so for the next six weeks, we had to pick out of all of them, you know, just pick six. And they're all powerful. So we picked six stories that we want you to come and journey with us through these stories, finding yourself in the story and being motivated to look in there, find yourself and change. What is it about you that perhaps needs to be changed because of the truth that you're hearing from God? Well, the first parable we're going to look at is the parable of the sower. So if you got Bibles, it's going to be in um, Matthew chapter 13. For everybody, Matthew chapter 13. Write down, there's parallel accounts. So you're going to want to write this down and you can go read about the other accounts um, when you leave here today. Uh, Mark chapter 4 and I believe Luke chapter 8. So you want to read this same story in those other books. But what's ironic about this is um, we, we have a teaching team, creative team. We meet weeks in advance and we try to plan the series. And this week we're putting the finishing touches on this message 
And I forgot who said it, but they said, you know what? The parable we picked for this week doesn't begin with those two words. It's like. <laughs> so, but it's kind of good because it is Jesus' first par- story that he told. And it is foundational to every other story we are going to hear. It was to those that he was sharing the story with, and it's still foundational in, in today for us to hear this story first. So let's jump in. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now for those that were listening to the story, they connected with it. One of the things about parables is they dealt with reality and realism. And for them in Palestine, the idea of a field and farmers, they got it. And they understood rocky soil because they had to create fields out of very rocky terrain. And so they got that image of a farmer with either a basket or a a, a pouch with seed in it going and flicking seed and some falling on the, the rocky path. And that path was very hard because it was what was traveled. People traveled that for generations. They would use these footpaths. So they understood some seed went on the path, some went on, you know, the good soil, and they got that. And they also had the picture of birds flying behind the farmer as he sowed the seeds. The birds probably thought, hey, the job of that guy is to feed me, because as the seed went on, they would pick up the seed. And so they got this image. They really connected with that. But it seems very strange to start the teaching by saying there was this farmer Because Jesus had a very hard day. He had been rejected prior to this end-of-day teaching. And so it seemed very strange to start out with something out of the blue as the farmer. It's almost like if I were to say to you, why am I Red Sox losing? I know they won last night, but their season is like, it's not over yet. But if I asked you that question, this is so random that it's like you saying, well, they're losing... um, Because there's a musician who blew a lot of air through his trumpet and it produced a high-pitched sound. I'd look at you and go, that is so random. What? And so his insiders, the disciples, were there. And they really struggled. They were confused. They were like, this seems so irrelevant, what he's saying. So they come to him, and we see in verse 10, they say this, Why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. 
Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, and they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it, and to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. And so Jesus doesn't explain the parable here, He just starts to say, here's why I speak with stories or parables. And I don't know if it's just me, but doesn't it sound like he's saying, I talk in these stories and in parables to confuse some people. I want to confuse some of them. But as you get underneath some of this, you realize that's not what he's saying at all. And it's important to understand the context because prior to him sitting down and giving this story, I said he had a hard day. I mean, there were, he was around people who were rejecting him. They were asking questions like, who gives you this authority to teach like this? Show us a sign. Oh, you're doing that because you have an affiliation with Satan. I mean, it was a rough day for him. And so that's the context. And some of those same people, probably a lot of them, were the ones that followed him here where he started to teach. And so he is speaking to them because he has a message and they have a message and they don't line up. And that's the problem here. The people, the leaders of their time They were the ones that saying, you want to be connected with God because you are disconnected. Your sin will disconnect you. You want to be connected with him? Then you come through us. You want to be right? Then you follow the rules and the rituals as we interpret them. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of God is here before you. These leaders are like, whoa. He's saying the Savior, I am the Savior. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not about rules or rituals. It's about the Savior and do you believe that I am he and do you believe in me? So their messages are different. And so he's really trying to speak to them and that's why he says to his disciples, listen, you understand, you've been given the knowledge. They haven't, but here's why. They are not ready to understand it. Their heart is in the wrong place. You see, here, understanding, the word understand has to do more with two connotations. One is to set in and, and join together or to set and kind of go against, reject, to push away. And that's what these people were doing. These leaders were not with his ministry at all. And so he's using stories to talk to them. He could have used some other way, right? He could have just come out and said to them, you you sorry people, you've got such hard hearts. Listen, I'm trying to help your sorry butts from going to hell. That's what he could have said. But that's, that's not the way he goes about it. He says, listen, 
disciples, your heart is in a different place. It is receptive to me, and therefore you are able to get it. They don't. And if they open their heart, then they will get it. But until then, they're just going to listen and walk away and forget about it. So he tells these stories. And one thing you got to know about the parables is every parable, when Jesus spoke, it had a point. Parables have a point. In every one of the stories, Jesus is calling the hearer of the story to respond in some way. Every one of them. And so as we hear the story, we need to remember that. We're being called to hear, find ourselves in it, and then meditate on the truth and come to a point where we discover the truth. Not just walk away from it and forget about it, but to wrestle with it. You see, the truth that's discovered when we wrestle with it and, and really land and accept on it, that kind of truth is stronger than the truth we just hear and accept. It's going to be stronger when we engage with it instead of just taking for granted or taking what people say and just saying, okay. It's important that we discover that truth on our own. My uh, dog the other day, I was taking her out for a walk and we walk right by the recycling bin and in there, you know, I didn't even think about it. I'm just walking and all of a sudden I do this kind of thing because her head's buried in the recycling bin. And I knew what she was going after. I said, Sandy, there's a box of milk bone, dog bone things, but it's empty. There's nothing in there for you, okay? So just let it go. And so I proceed to go like this. And again, I get pulled and it's Sandy. She still went in there. She got her head deep in the box and could not get the box off. So I turn around and she's nudging me in the leg like, I guess you were right that there was nothing in there, but can you please help me because the box is stuck on my head. She's just doing this. She had to discover for herself. She doesn't, she's not going in that recycling bin anymore. She's got enough of a brain, but discovering the truth on her own makes it stick. I mean, some of you have been through relationships. Maybe somebody has said, mm, I wouldn't enter into that relationship because of these reasons, but yet you go ahead and do it. Or maybe financial, you ask somebody, should I do this? And they say, hold off. You do it. And you circle back around, you know, with the consequences and other things, and you say, you're right. And definitely it's not a mistake that's repeated. Again, you, you move forward, but with having learned that lesson. Discovering the truth is powerful. So finally, we get to what this parable is all about. In verse 18, Jesus starts to explain the parable. Up until then, again, he gave it, and then he says why he's using parables. And then in verse 18, let's, let's start, because he's going to explain what the parable is about. 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Now, what's clear here is the, the seed is the message of Christ. It is what he went around in synagogues and towns, no matter where he went. Same message. I am the Savior. You need me. God the Father sent me. So the seed is the message of Christ. It's the same. It's perfect. It doesn't change. When you look at that parable, it doesn't change. 
what it falls on is what affects the yield. And that's the soil. And that's where you and I are to find ourselves in this story. We are the soil. Our hearts are the soil. And as I said, parables, with parables, Jesus always called his hearers to respond, to wrestle with it and respond. So let's try to see, as you look at the story, which soil are you? Now this first one that he talks about is the seed that fell on the, the soil of the path. And this is where we read, they hear God's word, but they don't understand it. It's that first um, definition of that Greek word, soniami, which I said is the one that is rejects or opposition to. This person is the one that doesn't really see any significance in it, it's not important, and so they don't do anything about it at all. And we read here that Satan even comes and, you know, snatches it away from them and influences this person in such a way. We see this in churches. Maybe you've talked to somebody, or maybe you're this person at one time in your life where you said, I went to church, but I never understood it. It was like blah, 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 right? That's, I just, and so I stopped going, just never did anything, went in there, but they never engaged in their faith. And what the truth is, is that we all must wrestle with the truth. We all must wrestle with this message that Christ came with, the kingdom of God. Every one of us has, has to wrestle with that. And so that's the, the truth in this story here. He was trying to tell those leaders, and he tells us today, hey, you think there's one way. I'm telling you there's another way. It's me, and it's the only way. And they were forced, do I believe that or not? And their hearts were hard at the time. I have seen people go from this position where they're rejecting God into where their heart is open. I just spoke to one last week, and he said, you know, there was a time in life, he's now 40 some odd years old, and I knew there was a God, but you know what? I resisted him with everything I got. I can give you reasons for it, and you know, I'm a scientific guy, I'll go with, I, I can go that route, but you know what? There was one day where I don't know what it was that my heart started to open up and start to look at some of these things where I started wrestling with this truth. And I realized, uh-oh, before he knew it, he accepted Christ. He said, and I thought that I knew how to love before, and I knew what love is. I had no idea. He said, I actually love my wife better now than I did before, and I thought I loved her before, but until I came face to face with the love that was exp expressed through Christ for me, oh my. So I've watched people reject and then go running after. Let's look at the second soil, and that's the rocky ground, starting in verse 20. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This person hears the message of Christ and they respond with such enthusiasm. We read that it's joy. They, they respond with joy. 
and you hear people say, I wish I could feel like this all the time. I love the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness that God has to offer. So there's this joy they feel, this enthusiasm. But it never, their love, their relationship never grows past what they can get from God or what they can get from the church. And so there's no root. There's no root taking, uh, establishing here. And so what happens? When life gets tough, when all the, the real concerns in life come at them, it doesn't survive. And we end up, the Bible says here, they quickly fall away. At church, you know, if you've been in church world enough, there's different kinds of people who come. Some will come through the doors to check out church, and, you know, nothing wrong. They'll say, it's just, you know, God's not calling me to do church in this way, and, and we don't believe that this is the only way to do church. God's church is huge, and he needs to reach a lot of people. So they may not come back, but there's others who will come in, and they say, oh, music was rocking. I loved it. The message, I connected with it. And then they sign it. They get that little orange what's up card and they checking stuff off there. They grab a Bible. They're reading it after church. They sign up for a life group. They sign up for serving and they're engaging. You see them taking ownership in their faith and investing in it. But then you see other folks. It kind of looks the same. It's the same path. Excited. I love it. I love the feeling the enthusiasm and the encouragement that I have. But then one day it happens. The music's, say, too loud or too soft. Or, oh gosh, there was another speaker today, totally didn't, didn't like them, didn't connect with me. And all of a sudden it changes and you don't see them for a little while, maybe two weeks. And then a month goes by, you see them again, and then every three months you might see them, and then eventually you don't see them at all kind of similar paths, but the fact is strong faith comes by being intentional. Strong faith that will last comes by being intentional. If you ever want to to understand God and get the richness of what he has, you've got to have that heart that's open and willing to engage, to move from just the emotional and the cognitive. You need to use your brain. I'm not saying that, but you need to then engage your heart and your hands and start to step out and be intentional in the relationship beyond what you get. And I say this too, you know, beyond what I can get or you can get from God and from the church. Jesus, he knows when he raises the commitment level, he knows that that's a hard message to hear. If you go to John chapter 6, verse 66, when he raised the commitment level, we read, from this time, many turned back and no longer followed him. They were saying, hey, it was good when I was feeling good. That, that was awesome. I really like that part, Jesus. But then you called me to step out and do some things. Mm, show me the door because I don't want to sign up for that. Strong faith comes by being intentional in investing in your relationship with Christ. Let's look at that third soil, the weeds. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is kind of similar to the one we just read in that we, the person here will grab a hold of their faith, but what happens? 
And you can have strong, strong faith. But if you like to control things, me, uh, you're a worrier, then control will kick in and you have, you're trying to control your whole life. And when that happens, I'm in the driver's seat, not God. And that will choke the one thing out that wouldn't change, and that's God who could help me beyond belief. I, when I, try to wor when I worry and, and try to take control, then I'm gonna be, my faith is going to be not choked out, but it will, the worry will take over. And the other thing he talks about here is wealth. Not that wealth is bad. Some of you have been blessed with wealth. What he's saying is it's very easy to get a perspective on wealth that will all of a sudden put it at a higher priority than God. And no matter what it is, wealth or anything, when the scales tip, it's the wrong perspective. And, he's, and Jesus talked about wealth enough that it seems like it's an easy thing to do is to let that choke out our faith. And so our faith can be strong, but these things, the worries of life, can really put a damper on blessings. I'll say it this way. Money and fear will keep me from God's riches. You see, this person allowed God's word and his message to get in his heart, but the following part was the heart. I'm a Christ follower. And then when the worries and some of the distractions, that legitimate cares in life and some of the pleasures that come distract and make, and we read, their life unfruitful is what Jesus said. And then we get to the last one. Let's read about that one because by this point you're probably saying, all right, well, I've identified myself. Where am I supposed to be? Let's look at um, the good soil. Verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. We read here that they hear the word and they understand it, but the underlying Greek word was the other one where they, they set out to join in or merge with, not kick away, reject, but their heart is all about persevering through tough times, engaging, seeking to grow. And did you catch what Jesus says will happen? Because none of the other soils had this but it produced a crop. Not just any kind of crop, because realism to the people hearing the story would have understood a bumper crop is five to 15 times what it normally is. That would have been outstanding. But Jesus says 100 to 60 to 30 times. We're talking miraculous quantities from that, that soil. This is one kernel of corn. It will grow one plant. How many ears of corn will be on that one plant? Any? Typically it's one. It'd probably if somebody who's a dog, a PhD in agriculture will say, oh, well, there's this. But typically it's one. That one ear of corn will have 500 to 1,200 kernels on that one ear. From one good seed can come 1,200 new seeds. Amazing. And Jesus is saying that a heart that hears the message 
and it's sown in a heart that is good soil. A, Christ, a potential Christ follower will have this miraculous yield of pointing others to Christ and huge numbers will come to know Christ just because the message fell on fertile soil. And so as we close today, as I said, every, every one of Jesus' parables had a point and he, and he expected his hearers to kind of have a call and a response to what they were hearing. He wants every one of us to find ourselves in the story. Where is our heart? And he's calling us. It's very clear where he's calling us to have that good soil, to open our heart. Every one of us needs to wrestle with the message of the kingdom of God. We do need a savior. And uh, we hope that you wrestle with that and we're here, every one of us to, to talk and to celebrate when you accept that message. But as you walk away this week, you gotta make the decision, am I gonna be the hard path that it falls on? Am I gonna be that soil that kind of sprouts up and withers? Am I gonna let my, all the worries in life strangle me or am I gonna be there and be one of those Christ followers that has a miraculous fruit bearing? Not for the attaboys for us, but so that others can know God and know the way there to live life that they were created to live, and that was with their Savior. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much that you know exactly what we need. And uh, I know what it's like, too, to resist and fight that, even as a Christ follower. And Lord, there are so many different types of soils represented in this room today. But we all have the ears to hear and I pray that every one of us wrestle with so we're not the ones that are hearing and never understanding where it's the blah, 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 blah. Father, may you move every one of us to take that next step to just start to splinter our heart and open it up just a little bit to say, tell me more. Lord, that for some that might be frightening I just pray for your peace your comfort as people open their heart may they produce a miraculous yield not for them but for you and it's that's our prayer and it's in your son's name I pray amen